This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Everybody and welcome back to the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, brought to you by Keeping Carlson. I am your host Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my co-host and yours, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, it's so good to talk to you, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, Ben, I'm thrilled to be able to talk fantasy hockey with you. It feels like it has been an age since the last time we did this together. Uh, I think because it has been an extremely long time since we've gotten to sit down. And uh, just shoot it a little bit about what is going on in the fantasy hockey world. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier while I was doing the dishes. And Lewis, I actually don't think that I've spoken to you. Like, we, I've been on podcasts with you, but I don't think we've spoken one-on-one since I learned who Carol Baskin is. Isn't that a weird <laughs> thing a to think about? What a terrible time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird to me to think that, you know, the, the two have not uh, intersected. The two versions of myself are very new. I'm so excited. Are you excited? Absolutely. You know, the pre-Baskin Lewis was young and he, and he didn't know very much. And, and the post-Baskin Lewis is just ready to go here uh, to have a fantastic fantasy hockey season. So very pleased, uh, very pleased to be to be back in the booth with you, so to speak. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of what this show will be. You know, Keeping Carlson, they kept the 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 channel afloat through the summer. They did an amazing job. Uh, Elon on his uh, beat writer interview series. And then, and then through the summer, they had wonderful hockey content each week. We are going to be the between the major weekly episodes uh, check-in for your fantasy hockey team. You know, we are going to talk about hot streaks, injury fallout. We're going to break down transactions, line changes, basically anything that is fantasy relevant that happens through the week Lewis and I are going to talk about it in bite-sized episodes each Wednesday and Friday. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just super excited to be back, be recording once again. Tonight, we are going to kick off Season 2 of Short Shifts by talking about the big news from training camp on the eve of the season. We're going to talk about some of the names on the waiver wire after the draft and, and talk about which players we're interested in right now, which kind of players that we are looking to add in some of our leagues And then we are going to end things off with a Keeping Carlson tradition that I'm very excited to share with the listeners. Uh, Lewis, we're going to start with the biggest news of the week, I'd say, and it's probably the easiest one for us to give a take on. Evander Kane filed for bankruptcy, I think it was yesterday, and there was a report at the same time on The Athletic that he might even sit out the season uh, to, I believe, deal with the financial issues. I am not an accountant, so I don't have a take on that. But apparently people got a little trigger happy 
a couple people, uh, I, I saw in Yahoo, a couple hundred people dropped Evander Kane in their leagues. Today it came out that Evander Kane is expected to play the full season, so probably they jumped a little too quickly. Lewis, are you feeling any differently about Evander Kane today than you were when you drafted uh, last week or over the weekend? I mean, from a personal standpoint, I wish him all the best, obviously. From a fantasy hockey standpoint, this doesn't change anything for me uh, as I'm looking at him. Look, if, if he's going to play the season, uh, he's going to be his usual self. He's going to be collecting uh, peripherals for you. He'll get some scoring in for you. He's obviously a very high floor player uh, who people drafted, you know, in the top 100, and they shouldn't be dropping him like he's just some scrub at the bottom of the waiver wire as soon as you encounter a little bit of trouble. That kind of panicky decision-making is not the kind of thing that we promote here on short shifts. Uh, We want you to keep a calm, level head. Make sure that you are seeing things through to the end. There's no reason to be bailing on Kane at this point here in the season. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, This is maybe the, the gut check at the beginning of the season where we just need to say to one another, like, stay calm, stay patient. There are going to be some rocky moments this season, but uh, if you dropped Evander Kane based on you know the, getting that news yesterday before anything was officially announced, I feel very <laughs> I feel very bad for you, honestly. You know, it, people are going to be trying their hardest to be quick on their feet and adaptable this season. It's going to be one where we have breaking news that has big impacts on people's fantasy seasons. But at the same time, you can't make panicky decisions that are going to throw a big wrench in your in your year. You were careful at your draft. You decided who you wanted. If you picked Evander Kane, it was because you thought he was going to be a guy who's going to produce for you. Uh, now's not the time to get skittish. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If anything, I mean, you think about it, the guy's got to be playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's going to throw, you know, 20 extra hits this year. All right, Lewis, before we get into talking about free agency options, I just wanted to run through a couple more headlines here. These are on the topic of injuries. We had David Pasternak back on the ice today skating in a non-contact jersey. Lewis, did you end up with Pasta in any of your any of your leagues this year? He didn't fall far enough uh, to the point where I was willing to pull the trigger on him. Um, obviously, a great get. I know a lot of people were drafting him in like the third and fourth rounds. You are going to be very happy with yourself, uh, probably sooner than expected. Some credit to Elon here uh, as a guy who called the likelihood of Pasternak coming back sooner than expected. Uh, it seems like he is on track to be back on the ice within you know uh, four to six weeks here potentially. You know, we'll we'll wait and see. Obviously. Things can change in a heartbeat, uh, but very exciting news for those of you who are able to get a discounted David Pasternak. I had him on my uh, team last season. He was outstanding. You know, always fun to have a guy like that uh, and be able to pick him up and pull him off the injured list there, and suddenly you're just crushing everyone in your path. So uh, congrats to anybody who was able to get him at a discount, and it does look like he's coming back a little quicker than you thought. I mean, I agree with you completely. Uh, I do have Carl, or I do have Pasternak in a keeper league, so I didn't have to draft him this year. But very excited to not have to lose him for the full season. I hate that you're giving credit to Elon for making up a prediction. Like this, it's not like he was reading special tea leaves. This reminds me of when our pal Dave Benton on the stream scheme started just randomly predicting injuries. It's like Elon, calm down. Maybe I'm just a little mad because of a prediction or a, a dart throw that Elon had in tier one of the cupful uh, yesterday that seems to have worked out. And let's talk about that news next. JT Miller missed practice today. I believe that there's a report out now that he's going to miss two weeks of action. And the benefactor of JT Miller not being there, of course, he's on the top power play 
top uh, line in Vancouver. And uh, on at even strength, Jake Vertanen is going to take over from him. He's going to be playing with Besser and Pedersen. And then on the power play, the rookie, Niels Hoaglander, famous for the Michigan uh, in, I believe, the SHL. Uh, Lewis, this is a, an argument we got into or, or a conversation that we had a ton last year. Um, do you want the guy playing elite even strength minutes or do you want the guy playing elite power play minutes? While they're going to spend a lot more time on that, uh, you know, elite top line, and I think it does make Vertanen interesting, I do think just because the likelihood of scoring is so much greater uh, when you're out there on the power play, you know, four or five times potentially higher uh, than the chance of, of, you know, scoring per even strength minute, I think Oglander becomes a very appealing option for these next couple weeks. You know, but both of them, I think, are, are really interesting. Vertanen is a guy who provides you with peripherals, so with expanded minutes, that just raises his floor and makes him a really nice. A potential option. So I actually like both of these guys with some good opportunities to earn you some fantasy points here uh, during the course of JT Miller's absence. Yeah, I would say Vertanen to me is the more interesting one in a multi-cat league uh, if you can add him and, and get those hits on your roster. And he's somebody who the speed is there. He's got a he's got a shot. I think he can keep up with Pedersen. I mean, he's he's faster. He's probably a better skater than than PD, who is more of a finesse player. But yeah, no, I, I think that there's there's opportunity for each Hoaglander on that top power play unit as somebody who is coming into the league as a rookie obviously has a much higher ceiling, I would say, than Vertanen, who appears to maybe be a 20 to 25 goal guy. But I, I have nothing against streaming either of them in. But in a season long sense, I, I like Hoaglander for the ceiling and, and Jake for the for the floor. Yeah, I think that's a spot-on analysis. And I think if you're just picking the one uh, over a shortened period of time, I think you go probably with the ceiling guy who's getting the power play time. Um, but like you said, if uh, if you're getting credit for all the extra stuff that Vertanen does, and with expanded minutes, we'll see some more of that, that could be uh, a very nice pickup if you're unable to pick up Oglander if he's already off of your waiver wire. Awesome. Well, Lewis, let's move on into the free agency options section of our show. What we kind of wanted to do here is um, all of my drafts were over the weekend, Lewis. So the waivers are the waiver wire is just starting to open up. Waivers cleared this morning in two of my leagues, and they will clear in two or three more tomorrow. So I am very excited to start playing free agency once again. And so this time period between the draft and puck drop is always an interesting one. In a lot of leagues, you have an opportunity to grab players without accounting towards your first week transaction totals. You might be a little late for that now, but these are the sort of guys that we were looking at when it came to, you know, these are people who didn't end up getting drafted, but instantly had a smidge more, uh, I'd say they're a little bit more interesting now than they were when I was looking at in round 18 of the draft. Yeah, they're the kind of guys who are gaining momentum, right? So to speak, yeah. like people are starting to talk about them. There's some buzz. They're moving into positions where they may uh, find themselves being successful and really just trying to squeeze some value out of those extra spots, especially, you know, lots of people are trying to flesh out their rosters. Now they've got people put in injured reserve and that sort of thing. So it definitely provides that opportunity for someone with an eagle eye uh, to be able to grab someone in a great position and make some hay for a week or two while they wait for their roster situation and their injury situation to kind of stabilize a little bit. We made a list of uh, of players who are available. and We had a little bit of help from, from our pals Brian and Elon on keeping Carlson. 
these are players that the the four of us kind of noticed as a common interest across a couple of leagues. You uh, you ranked your players, so I'll let you go first. We're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. You pick the player off of our list who you are most interested in adding. If you have a free spot on your roster. All right. So unfortunately, the player I'm going to start with is going to be one of the more challenging people on our list to pick up. Uh, he's only 32% owned on Yahoo, but that's significantly more than a lot of the other folks that we're looking at. Uh, and that's Alex Kaloran. Playing on a pretty solid line, too, with Anthony Sorelli and Tyler Johnson at even strength. He's found his way onto that top power play uh, with Stamkos, Point, Hedman, and Palat. That's still a solid top power play, even if you're missing the firepower of a Nikita Kucherov. Um, but I really like Killorn in that spot. I think he provides a ton of scoring potential um, from both of those lines. Uh, we know that you know the defensive side of things for opposing teams is going to have their hands full with that top line of Stamkos, Palat, and Point. Uh, so he might have some opportunity skating around with uh, with with Sorelli and Johnson. I really like him in that spot, uh, and I think. You know, at only 32% owned, I think we're going to see that poke up to closer to 50, I think, by the time puck drops for the first Tampa Bay game. You know that feeling when you're in a draft and you're drafting second overall, it's a redraft, and you're looking at the clock as it ticks down and you're just like, please let McDavid fall to me. Please let, maybe not this year, There's there are a few options that you'd be happy to take it to, but that sort of vibe of just like, oh, I really know who I want on this list and I really just want them to not get picked first. And, of course, Alex Kalorn is by far the best option, uh, I think, that we're going to mention today. As you said, 32% owned. We did look at a few other players. You know, we were we looked at uh, Patrick Hornquist. He was, I believe, 58% owned. And if you're in a bangers league, I'm super into him now on Power Play 1 in Florida. We also talked about Anthony Duclair in Florida. He's gained Line 1 Power Play 1 status since a lot of people drafted. That news popped out earlier last week. So, you know, guys like that are, are higher owned. But Kalorn and lower, we're kind of looking at those 33 percent and lower players here so Kalorn is definitely at the top of my list if he's in your league I would go and grab him above I think the rest of the guys here but the second name that I would look out for is somebody who I actually bid on in tier one of the cupful yesterday and I lost to Elon you know I'm just a little bit frustrated with Elon today because I woke up and the first thing I learned was he beat me on my bid for Dominic Cahoon 7% owned in Yahoo playing with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto we saw how good that line was at the end of last year when they were playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins I don't think Cahoon is that good but maybe Yamamoto takes a step forward this year Maybe the three just are, you know, they're not elite. They're not putting up 100-point paces, but maybe they're putting up 60-point pace from Cahoon, a guy that you could get on your waiver wire in 93% of leagues the night before hockey starts. Like, you're doing okay if you're if you're adding Dominic Cahoon, even though he's not getting exposure to that top power play in Edmonton. Yeah, I think this fits with your... Uh, way of thinking about grabbing that even strength guy who's got the really nice line mates and not worrying so much about the power play. I think we're obviously going to see very heavy power play one use in Edmonton. Uh, so we're not going to see too much from Cahoon uh, in terms of registering power play points. But yeah, I think it's nice to have that strong even strength. I look at him as being similar to, say, Anita Ryder, who's at about 8%, uh, who's getting line one time with Aho and Toivo. Um, but still on that weaker second power play. I, that That's a great opportunity to get some excellent even strength skating in, um, but don't love it if you're trying to collect power play points, for instance. So so I see Cahoon and Niederreiter as being fairly similar. 
I, I don't think you can compare Dreisaitl's firepower with even Ajo's, so I think that nudges Cahoon slightly ahead. But I looked at them as being very similar tier as I was looking through these rankings. So, Lewis, you mentioned Niederreiter in response to Cahoon. Is he your next pick on that list? He, he is on our list, obviously. Spoiler alert here. No, I actually did have somebody higher, and I, I'm very hesitant about this pick because it makes me very nervous. But I think if you're in a points-only league... Uh, We've got a 23% owned Joe Thornton here who is scheduled to play with Matthews and Marner, both at even strength and the power play. It seems like in Toronto, they're still going to try for that split power play approach, uh, which I'm sure has a lot of people who drafted Austin Matthews very high, maybe a little bit frustrated. I Obviously, Thornton is not going to give you anything basically other than assists, uh, but you have to love his deployment. Uh, and if you're looking for power play points and assists or if they are worth uh, points for you in your league, I think that is a lot of value for a guy who's only owned 23%. Uh, I hope he's still got a little bit left in the tank. Love Joe Thornton. It makes me a little nervous just because we know he's not going to give you very much else. Still, I think I've got him up there. I might toss Hoaglander over him. Uh, but I've got him up there pretty high on my list, and I did have him above Cahoon and Niederreiter just because you can't, you know, if you're touching the puck and you're on the ice with Matthews and Marner, you're going to get some points one way or the other. Yeah, and I, I think that you you said something that I, I definitely agree with, which is this is the spot where I'm like, all right, Hoaglander, I would definitely take over Thornton. I think I would go Cahoon over Hoaglander just because I, I see some season-long upside in that second-line spot for him. I, I don't see an heir apparent to, to take it from him necessarily in Edmonton. Uh, Thornton is somebody who... You know, you you prefaced it with this, but I almost I just need to highlight it again. Like if you are in a league where assists can be super valuable, Joe Thornton can be useful, but otherwise he is going to tank you in so many categories. So I actually ended up drafting him in a bangers league that I'm in, which I almost, you know, never would do, but the the top line top power play deployment just it just got to me and I'm in a league with a bunch of Leafs fans and Leafs like hyped up Maple Leafs players are never available in the spot where, you know, Joe Thornton was. So I, I just felt like, Oh God, uh, my one chance to own a Toronto, to get some Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews exposure in this league. And uh, yeah, but I think I actually wouldn't take Thornton here. And the player who I would prefer to him is almost like the anti Joe Thornton. It's Zach Cashin, also in Edmonton playing on the top line with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No power play exposure for Cashin. Uh, this is somebody who you're going to take because he has a floor. He's going to get you hits. And I guess he's got point upside as long as he's on that top line with McDavid. But unlike Cahoon, and I'd say similar to Thornton, he does have competition. Like He's not clearly better than all of the other options to play on that wing with McDavid. And I, for that reason, I wouldn't expect Cashin to stick there long term. So that's why he's below Cahoon for me. He's definitely below Hoagland, or I'd say he's about in the same tier as Hoaglander for me. A guy who could put up some points in the short term, but I wouldn't want to be dropping like, you know, a ton of fab to try and to try and secure him just because I don't believe in him holding on to that deployment beyond a week or two. Yeah, I think we've had plenty of people who over the last uh season you know rode the the tiger that is having Zach Cashin on your lineup and again you know when he's got those nice even strength minutes he can pile up peripherals for you and occasionally a puck will bounce off of him and go to a really skilled player and get into the net Uh, so that's always nice to have certainly Um, but you're right you know there's not that same consistency there's not that likelihood that he's going to be there all season you have to be ready 
to cut him when that time arrives. You know, again, we talked about it. This season is going to be a season where you're going to win because you're adaptable and because you're quick and because you're staying up to date. Uh, and, And, you know, this is a guy that if you grab him, that's fine, but just make sure that you are ready to lose him when the time comes and that you're not hesitating uh, when that opportunity arises. And incidentally, that's another reason why it's a great idea to listen to Short Shifts because we're going to have those little updates for you throughout the week between the mega shows on Sundays from the boys. You know, it'll help you be that adaptable, intelligent GM. What a plug. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for plugging us on the show that we are already on, Lewis, but I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I guess it's your pick, so... And so far, we've gone Kalorn, Cahoon, Thornton, and then Cashin. You have the fifth pick, Lewis. Who are you taking? All right, so I already talked about Niederreiter's potentially being on uh, the same sort of tier as Dominic Cahoon. Honestly, if you like Cahoon and you can't get him, Niederreiter might be a valuable option in that same mold. Uh, I'm going to go next to Pius Suter. I think he makes for a really interesting grab here, not because there's anything especially thrilling about him, um, but really that he has this great schedule uh, to start the season. You know, he's not playing on those busy nights. You're going to be able to fit him into your lineup. If you are someone with a really congested lineup on the busy nights, Piasuda could be a great pickup for you uh, because he's got a decent, even strength deployment here playing with Kubalik and Piri. Uh, he might get some time on power play too, but you're going to be able to get him in your lineup for all of his games through this, uh, you know, kind of elongated first week and change here. So you're going to have the opportunity to fit Pius Suter into your lineup and make sure that he is accumulating those points for you, uh, however your scoring categories work. You know, that is a great option. You can pick up the best player available on free agency, but if you can't fit him into your lineup, he's doing nothing for you. And I think that's what makes Suter very interesting in this spot. I like Pius Suter. I actually ended up owning him everywhere just because of that schedule that you mentioned. So you nailed it there. Uh, actually, shouts out to Elon. This is something that he's been banging the drum about. Pius Suter was the uh, the leading scorer in his Swiss league last year. Comes over to the Hawks. It's tough not to get Dominic Kubalik vibes off of him, and, and that's who he's playing with. Uh, so it would be nice to see some Suter, a Suter breakout, as Chicago doesn't have much else to get excited about outside of that top line. I think that this is about right for him, and honestly, at this point. Pius Suter is 1% owned. The rest of the players we're going to mention are under 10% owned, and it's pretty much a crapshoot at this level. Uh, But I think next, if I had to pick somebody... I'm going to go with player who I think is just on the best the best line to own, and that would be Nino Niederreiter. You mentioned him already a few times, Lewis, uh, playing with Aho and Tevo. Maybe gets power play two exposure. I have read a lot about how Tevo or rather Nino came into last year and and this this came up in Elon's interview with uh, the Carolina beat writer over the summer there was just a vibe of him not giving 100% and i don't think that that bodes super well necessarily but i also think it kind of at least gives me a cover for why it didn't work in the end and also leaves the door open for you know, if he turns it on, what is the potential? Nino Niederreiter is a talented hockey player who has not been able to put it together. But, you know, at this point in the season, you're, the league is really getting going. You're getting a player who's got great deployment and skill. So even if you don't, you know, even if it doesn't work out, the cost was nothing. You can drop him. But he's just one of those guys that right before the season starts, you you can sort of talk yourself into a best case scenario with him where, where he can, he can fight his way into your lineup and stick around. 
yeah, I'm up against him this week. I hope that, you know, I actually hope that he does well. I'm, I'm a Nino fan. I think that he has a great opportunity here playing with some really skilled players. So I wouldn't mind if he scores a couple points on me as long as it's not match deciding. The next guy I want to bring up is a 7% owned player who I think is a shoe-in to make the, the final cut for the Masterson Trophy this year in Oscar Lindblom. Uh, playing with Couturier and Travis Konechny on the top line in Philly. He's not getting any of that PP time, so maybe it is a little bit more up your alley, Ben. Um, But I like that deployment. And compared to some of the other guys that we're looking at here, I think that he has a really great opportunity with a strong center and a great wing to to be productive. And and you know he's someone that we've we've seen him in action before. We know that he is a capable player. This isn't just someone who's kind of tagged on to this line here uh, to be kind of a rider. He's expected to to be productive in this spot. And I like to see that. You know, it it can be fun to kind of grab onto somebody who's lined up with super great line mates and just pray that that the puck you know comes to them, but I like a player like Lindblom who's going to be, you know, a productive contributor uh, to the offense that that top line is going to create. Yeah, and I think it's easy to forget that Oscar Lindblom was ha- had a great start to the season last year. Was on a 66 point pace through the first 20 games. I remember talking about him on short shifts last year and saying like, or or maybe it was even our, our previous podcast, Locked On, that it felt as though that couldn't last, but. That doesn't mean that it's impossible, and I think that he showed that he's got a lot of skill, and he's a he's a guy who has fought through a lot. This Philadelphia team at, up front is is pretty deep too, so this isn't a, a situation where you know it's it's somebody who doesn't have a lot of skill getting put up with with two great players as we've mentioned a few a few spots above. This is a guy who could break out. Like you can you can talk yourself into Oscar Lindblom having a breakout season here, and and what a feel good story that would be, right? So I uh, I ended up with Lindblom in tier one of the Cupful as a as a uh, fallback bid. I got him for zero bucks and it's a lottery ticket that i I grabbed him because of the schedule this week but uh you know cross your fingers i love that uh we're gonna end up rooting for a bunch of these guys on your lineup here that's pretty cool so you're you're putting your money where your mouth is so to speak i don't love that i'm depending on waiver wire guys but uh you know it's uh if they win then i won't mind and it should be noted probably that one of the the prevailing themes over the course of our season is that Ben, Elon, and I are all in Tier 1 of the Cupful together with each other. Uh, it's going to create some very competitive, stressful moments, I think, but we're very excited to soldier on through the show. We will continue to give us all of our best advice, even in that terrifying week where Ben and I are going to face off against each other. Uh, may make for some tense moments, but I'm really looking forward to competing against you this season. We've never actually um, been against each other in the league before. We've managed some teams together, which has been great, but now uh, we'll get to go head-to-head. Very excited. A little nervous. Yeah, I feel like we must have at some point been in a a couple patron group league or something together, but... I don't remember it if we were. And, and now I'm looking at the schedule, Lewis, so that I can kind of psych myself up for, for when this is coming down the pipe. Uh, we play in two weeks, Lewis. So, uh, oh, mercy. Yeah, week three. Uh, yeah. And no, I'm looking forward to it. It is uh, terrifying, honestly. And you mentioned Elon, but we're also up against like some of the best fantasy hockey players that I've ever played against. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to win. Yes, me as well. <laughs> One of us will be disappointed, but uh, it's going to be a great fight along the way. Maybe both of us, you know. Lewis, that was all we planned for today's show, except as longtime patrons of Keeping Carlson will know, you have for the past several years graced us with a preseason poem. 
And uh, we are super excited to have you present it on the season premiere of Short Ships. This is the first time that we've done this in an audio format, is it not? I am thrilled to present uh, the fifth annual Night Before Hockey. Was the summer of hockey all through the arena? The play had progressed less the barest patina of normalcy due to the lack of a crowd, their voices pumped in artificially loud. With the cup claimed in autumn deep within the bubble, we foolishly hope for a season sans trouble in empty cathedrals to heroes long past. They'll lace up their skates, find the slot, crash the glass. In this time of bleakness and pained isolation, the start of a season ushers in celebration for something we can share with friends we've not seen, set for through glowing pixels, cold distance of screens. For what purpose, some ask, for your base satisfaction, a moment's reprieve from bad news, a distraction? You long for the bread and circus of old Rome, conveniently streamed in the comfort of home. But the decision to play lies out of our hands, and once the puck's dropped, we can't help but be fans. And while we're critical, our fandom's not fulsome, we'll enjoy one damn thing that's tangentially wholesome. So Artemi, now Patrick, now Austin and Jack, on Ovi, on Igor, both Ilya's and Mac, bring us all together in the sport we adore, cherish each opportunity to check on the score. For now more than ever, we feel how the toll of stress and loneliness weighs down on the soul. Hockey's joy can unite us, so join me to say merry hockey to all here's to good health and play hey that's so good dude ah i love it so much i was sitting here smiling the entire time that you were reading that well i'm really glad it's always fun i just want to share my excitement and enthusiasm for the upcoming season i can't wait to get started so excited for puck job so glad to have all of you along with us for the ride and every week we will remind you to play smart and keep your shifts short